And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Baseball Show on the Athletic Podcast Network. Green light 3-0 and she's gone! Welcome to the 3-0 Show. I'm Rich Aroli here with Eno Saris. Today it is Thursday, October 5th. All of the wildcard series have already ended which is unfortunate for MLB, unfortunate for the broadcast partners, but it does give us plenty of stuff to discuss as we sit here and prepare for the division series. Uh, as we record this, for those who didn't watch, the Phillies won 7-1 to in the second game. They sweep the series. The Twins win 2 to nothing over the Blue Jays. They sweep the series. The Rangers won 7-1 to over the Tampa Bay Rays. They sweep the series, and our final sweep is the Diamondbacks, who beat the Brewers 5-2. to Eno, were you surprised about any of these outcomes at all when you look at uh, the teams that are advancing here? I think the most surprising one might have been the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, you know, I guess... I would say this b- before the game started, before we, you know, you know, once games 162 were done. Uh, since then, there's been a series of events that were unfortunate. Milwaukee Brewers losing Brandon Woodruff was unfortunate. Um, mm-hmm. But then once they won a game that Brandon fought started, um, uh, things started to turn for me for Arizona because then they got Zach Gallen in their second game. They didn't even use Merrill Kelly. So, uh, that that negated some of the advantage that the Brewers had on the pitching side. Um, and uh, the Arizona lineup, uh, as it was during the regular season, ended up being a better lineup uh, in, that, in that series that they had. Arizona out-homered Milwaukee 4-1, to and every team that out-homered their opponent uh, advanced. Interesting. And the Diamondbacks extended GM Mike Hazen, through 2028. So clearly things are looking up in Arizona. Uh, you know, I really liked their celebration when they went to the postseason. Not last night. We couldn't do it because they were in Milwaukee. Jumping, in, jumping the pool. into the pool was <laughs> yeah, amazing. A, yeah, yeah, it was a good a fun one. one they, oh. Only they get to do. Unless the uh, the Rays, when they advance, jump into the Ray pool. Maybe, uh, maybe not Tank. Yet. Yeah. yeah maybe not a good <laughs> idea. You know what? I was a little surprised with Texas and Tampa Bay too, though. Um, you know, it looked like the Rays, who all year long, we talked about all the adversity they had, missing so many key players. It just looks like they ran out of gas. I mean, that first game, four errors, a franchise record, just really sloppy play all around. Uh, you know, and, and Texas just went out there, and the games never really felt particularly close at all when you look at it. And I thought, I, I'm not surprised that Texas won, but to me that looked like one that maybe could go three and that would be full of classics like classic games. And it wasn't that way at all. Tampa Bay just, just simply looked like a team that was 
you know, ready to go home, which is so unlike them, right? We, they're usually such a crisp team and we, you know, there were some issues, I think, defensively early on in the year. Um, and people were like, well, you know, wait till we get some of our main key guys back like Siri and, you know, they got those guys back and those are the guys who, who had some issues in the field. Yeah, well, I mean, Manny Margot was sitting in for Siri in the second game because uh, Siri had just come back from a, a hand injury, and Manny Margot started that second game with a, a flub. It was a, and this is one of the reasons I hate errors as a stat. They didn't give an error; they gave a double. But Manny Margot uh, just totally misread the ball and and could have caught that thing. Uh, and that's how game two started uh, was with an error there. I think that. Um, you know, losing Shane McClanahan and Wander Franco uh, had sort of reverberations throughout. Uh, I mean, obvious. It's obvious if you have Shane uh, pitching one of those games, you you think you can keep them down a little bit more. Um, but then I think a little bit less obvious is Wander is a plus plus defender on top of everything else and. Um, if you have him there at short, then you have Taylor Walls as a defensive replacement or a guy who can play third for you for more defense. Paredes plays second. You know, there's these, these sort of cascading things. If Siri's fully healthy, if Wander's in there, that defense is better. So I'm not making excuses for them. I'm just pointing out that, like, I think, you know, some of their excellence was robbed uh, at that with those unfortunate events that they had. And um, and then the other the other thing that makes me wonder a little bit is that there is research that suggests that every pitch your reliever throws over the course of the season makes them worse. It's over at Baseball Prospectus. And I just wonder, you know, just seeing the, the, the Giants collapse this year, doing a very Raysian model, and then the Rays, um, you know, now since they made it to the World Series, have won uh, maybe, I think, one postseason game. Um I just wonder if you tax your bullpen that hard all season, if there are some sort of ramifications. It didn't end up being the bullpen's fault this time, but it's just a thing I wonder. In the end, though, when I've looked at what matters in the postseason, offense actually matters the most. I I know people love to talk about pitching and defense. The Texas Rangers against the Rays just look like an offense that couldn't stop. Listen to this. They hit 280, 353, 493. They had 846 slugging against the Rays, who had one of the better pitching staffs in the league. The yeah. the Rays hit 215, 227, 246 with a 473 OPS. Their OPS is almost half of the Rangers. So uh, that Rangers lineup looks nasty, nasty. I don't know where you take a break as a pitcher. Um, and so, you know, the, no. the Rangers immediately sort of, uh, I think, put us on notice with that series. Yeah, you're right. And, you know, I don't know how many people watched the Rangers down the stretch. There was so much talk about their pitching issues and their bullpen leads leads baseball during the regular season and blown saves. But as you mentioned, they are among the best in chase rate, among the lowest in whiff rate. They are just a really strong, potent lineup. This isn't like a one-trick pony by any means. And I think it's going to be so fascinating. We'll get later on to what we think is going to happen preview-wise. They are playing the number one seed, the Baltimore Orioles, uh, that series will start on Friday. No, on Saturday. Tomorrow is the workout day. So in my head, I'm like, I'm going to the stadium. Saturday, (laughs) Sunday. Saturday, a one o'clock game because there is a Billy Joel, Stevie Nicks concert in across the street. Baseball, second fiddle in their own stadium. (laughs) Yeah. Nobody can tell me that the Orioles expected to be good this year when they signed off on that. You're right. right? Nobody can tell me 
that they the thought DS? they were going to be in the ah. DS. The game, right? Uh, they thought they were going to be the one seed in the DS. Right? If they were a lower seed, like Texas, they'd be on the road. Uh, so interesting. But one more point about the Rays, which I thought was unfortunate, you know, is the attendance. Uh, game one, 19,704. The lowest attendance for a playoff game, not including, of course, the 2020 COVID season with no fans since game seven of the 19. 19- 19 world series and you know it's and really unfortunate there, there's there's a there's a weird piece of context jacob Pomrenke on twitter uh in 1919 you know why that that they had such bad uh uh attendance for game seven no that was when they had uh eight game or nine game world series uh so it wasn't the final game and the Reds in that were trying to force everybody to buy tickets in four ticket blocks, in, in four game blocks. And so they didn't make any tickets available for game seven until the day of. Uh. And so there was like this weird ticket selling thing. So, and I know there's excuses for Tampa, which is it was a, it was a regular, it was like a, it was a weekday, you know, during the day. Yeah. Um, and that's an excuse, but we've had other weekday games. And it still was the worst. And it's just weird for me that they're going to build a new stadium right next to it that's going to have the same transit issues, uh, same location. You know, is it everyone's going to go now because it's a little bit fancier, maybe for a year or yeah. two. But I think there's some real problems with that location. And that's yep. what we saw. And, and, and the Phillies, that's an opposite to that are just blowing decibel records, you know, are, are just are just like loud, loud, loud all the way through. Um, and that's got to be a little bit different for a player to to engage in. You, there was pictures of Randy Rosarena playing for Mexico. And, you know, that's a, a bit of an adopted home country for him. And the fans going nuts for him all the way through those WBC games. And then he, in, in Tampa, he's... You might feel all alone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was at those WBC games uh, in Miami. It was wild. Uh, it was really cool to see Lone Depot Park where the Marlins play and where usually the atmosphere isn't great. To yeah. see it be just this huge, you know, huge, huge event. And it proves that baseball can be big in that area. And that kind of leads us to the next series, which is the Marlins Phillies. Now, you know, the Marlins only drew, they didn't draw 2 million this year, but. Their attendance, you can look at it how you want, right? But their attendance is up more than 40% over the last two years, 28% up this year. I think they've done a great job of creating a likable team, I think. And I wrote this on The Athletic. What Kim Ng has done culturally um, in changing the way that organization runs and saying, we need ideas. I don't care who you are. This is a team effort. Bringing in a guy like Skip Schumacher, who has won with the Cardinals, who has this like go, go, go positive attitude. Uh, the Marlins look totally overmatched. For most of that wild card series, you know, it never looked like they had a chance at all. But I think when you look at some of the guys they're missing, including their best pitcher, uh, it seems like the organization is headed in a better direction than it was before. Um, and I also wonder how much. And, you know, obviously I cover the playoffs every year. I went to Philly last year. It's a different place to play. It's a very tough place to play as a visitor. I wonder how much that played into a fairly young, inexperienced Marlins team going there, Philly taking the lead early. Now the Marlins did lead baseball and come from behind wins. They were really good at, at, at coming back late in games, but this isn't May. This isn't June. This is Philly in the playoffs. And they just looked a little kind of deer in headlightsy at times, I thought. 
Yeah, I, I think that Kim Ng has done a really good job of, of inching that lineup forward, but it still uh, was a poor li- It was one of the worst lineups in the playoffs. It's either them or the Brewers. And, it, you know, in those two games, they hit 194 with a 242 slugging. So, yeah. um, you know, they just didn't have a chance. But I, I'm I'm picking the, the Phillies to win it all, uh, as I did on this show uh, before the playoffs started. And part of that is the bullpen. And we've seen that, uh, you know, Nolan Wheeler shoved, but they uh, once they were out of the game, it, it didn't get any better for the Phillies. Um, and, and they've got six guys who can throw 98 in that bullpen. Um, and, uh, and then Craig Kimbrell. So, you know, it's a, it's a really good bullpen. It's a really good offense. It's the the front two are really good. Um, you know, and the things like the, 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 the things like defense, yeah, that's a flaw for the Phillies, but, um, you know, they, they, they found Johan Rojas over the course of this year and, and signed Trey Turner and, you know, they've done certain things. Brandon Marsh being in the corner and, and putting, you know, Schwarber at DH or whoever at DH, that improves the team. Putting Harper at first base uh, improves the team defensively. So this is a team that has uh, sort of under the radar gotten better defensively, and that's their really their biggest flaw. So this is a really, really good team. Marlins ran into a buzzsaw. I expect the Phillies uh, to continue winning. Yeah, I don't think it's really fair to look at the Marlins lineup and say what they did against the Phillies because, as you said, I think Nola and Wheeler were terrific. And if the Phillies are going to get where they need to go, and that includes here in this division series getting past the Braves, who had the best record in the National League, best record in all of baseball, they are the one seed. If they're going to do that, to me, they have to get those performances from those guys. Yes, the bullpen is good, but you know the Braves have such a historic offense that you can't have a start where Nola and Wheeler give up four or five runs and are out of the game in the second and third inning. Right? I don't care how good your bullpen is. That's going to cost you in a five-game series. So uh, to me, if you look at the way this Phillies team is set up, can they beat Atlanta? I think they can. I picked them in our you know, athletic picks that I think are going to be released pretty soon for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned. I also think that Atlanta has some issues here. Charlie Morton's got in, – he's injured. He's not going to be starting. Max Reed. they say he's going to be fine, but he had the blister that ended his regular season pretty and early. even so the I- – even the, the 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 game that he pitched, uh, he, he he pitched the sort of a simulated game. He pitched it with a bandaid on, uh, yes. which I mean I think is is hopeful. He's pitching, you know, sure. he's he's staying ready. But uh, it wasn't like he pitched with no restrictions. So there was still a bandaid on the finger. Right. So I think it's going to be a fascinating series. Doesn't wouldn't shock me at all if this goes five. These two teams hate each other. Alec Baum yesterday said it's going to be a war, and I think it was actually put I mean this is going to be a great rivalry I almost hate you know when we have these great series and they're these and they're in the DS right this should be the NLCS it feels like doesn't it um, there's some no complaints about the other that. National League teams but it's there's just some complaints like, oh. about why why we don't sort of reseed after the wild card race after the wild card reseeds yeah yeah yes. and uh yeah. if 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 we reseeded then the Phillies would play Right, that that's how it would work. I think if you reseeded, I think the Phillies now would, they would they well, would yeah, play the Brewers else. weren't the Brewers were a higher seed because they uh, won their division. Right, but if you so, reseed, then the Phillies become the second seed. I think. Oh, based on record. Yeah, I think even yeah, yeah, because mm. Arizona's through. What about what about the Dodgers? Oh right, so they'd be one, two, three, four. So the Phillies would be three. So wouldn't they play the Dodgers? 
Yeah. Because the Dodgers are two. Yes. And then yeah. four would be Arizona. So it would be Arizona against the Braves. Yes. Uh, I, I mean, I, so, I see the argument for that. Yeah. But Arizona too. against the Braves would be like, uh, would would it be that much fun to handicap? I mean, I, would, I, I like Arizona. Oh, and, and easy I, there, you know. Yeah. Momentum is real, though. Yeah. Uh, the be- the problem is is the best we we have forgot one DS we have to do one wild card series we have to do one more wild card series before we start preview oh yeah we didn't even oh you're right we totally missed the twins you know what and and they did something historic and we totally bypassed them uh, the twins beat the Blue Jays and I don't know main takeaways from that besides the fact that they finally won a playoff game and now they won a playoff series uh, first time in I 19 the, years yeah I thought the play of the game was Vlad Jr. and the oh. you know them being able to throw him out there because. When you look at how that was done, they said later Carlos Correa noticed the crowd was so loud they weren't really able to hear the third base coach, and so they did it. They sent the message through Pitchcom. So it, yeah, it, that's that's it, I, to me that's the game. I know Toronto didn't score. I know Toronto fans are upset and rightfully so. I mean, this is it was unfair a at all? What that they can communicate, but the offense can't. No, I mean here's how baseball works is you know you exploit every single yeah, advantage right. you have <laughs> that's true so also uh there have they have been, the same advantage they've been they've been well documented um foibles with base running in toronto uh that were through the year but also the other iconic moment for me was Bo bichette uh running through a stop sign and getting thrown out at the plate in the other game um, yeah so game one you know, so there's there's two kind of weird base running things, and I don't know what that speaks to. Base running seems to be uh, equal parts preparation and coaching. It's not something that I want to all put fully on the third base coach. I mean, he put up a stop sign, you know, for Bo. I'm sure he was yelling back for for Vladdy, right? Um, yeah. But uh, um, but it that's something that I take away from that. Um, also, uh, I think I probably underrated Sonny Gray and Pablo Lopez. Uh, they huge both, starts. Yeah, they both took big strides this year. Uh, after you know looking at my AL Cy Young ballot, um, I kind of appreciated them a little bit more than I had uh, before I filed that uh, that vote, and so. Um, you know, I think that uh, that's a real fearsome twosome. And jo- John Duran in the in the as the closer is nasty, a hundred miles an hour with a ninety-eight mile an hour splitter. Uh, yeah. Don't worry, they call it a splinker, but they only call it a splinker because they think it's weird for people to call something that goes a hundred miles an hour um, a a uh, a splitter. So it's still a yeah, splitter, makes sense. And it's uh, it's a great pitch and. Um, uh, you know, I think Griffin Jacks is good. I think that they they are good in all the places that need to be good. If you think about their lineup and the and the Rangers, something that's similar is that it's hard to take a a, a, a break. You know, yeah. uh, if you look at these, runs. yeah, if you look and also if you look at the skill positions, uh, catcher, shortstop, center. You know, that's a place where even the Astros or the the, the Rays, for example, uh, will put defense over offense and say, okay, well, maybe they can hit a bomb or whatever, but, you know, it's more about defense in those spots. But if you look at the Rangers and Twins, they have good offensive options in those spots. 
Um, and so that makes them a more formidable team. Of course, Michael Taylor, uh, maybe not as good or Jonah Heim, uh, maybe better than, than, uh, the, than the twins catchers. But I think there's a similarity there. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, and as we're kind of saying sayonara to these teams that lost really ugly ugly series for Toronto and Whit Merrifield after the game after they took Jose Barrios out early said quote I hated it frankly it's not what cost us the game but it's the kind of baseball decisions that are taking away from managers and baseball at this stage of the game so directly firing shots there at the front office um at you know whoever is is saying before the game this is it this guy can only go here or we have telling John Snyder he's got to come out here. So really an, an ugly showing, I think, uh, by Toronto. And you wonder, you know, this team had this window we kept talking about with these young players. Remember when they came up with Vladdy and Bichette and it was like, all right, you know, what are what are we doing here, right? What have they accomplished? They haven't been able to go deep into the postseason. And you just wonder how much pressure the front office is going to be under now um, yeah, it's to, little... to kind of reverse this, you know, you look at last year, they, you know, they take Snyder, they take the interim tag off of Snyder and, you know, they seem like they're kind of headed in the right direction. This is a, I think a massive blow to a fan base that really felt like they had a chance, even though they came in as the second wildcard team. Um, I think they liked their chances against the twins, you know, the weakest division winner. And not only were they not able to advance, they didn't look good and they were swept out. So where where do you see this for Toronto? Yeah, it's super weird. To me, it's weird that they weren't that great of an offensive team this year. And yeah. I put, uh, you know, I put a fair amount of the blame on Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s shoulders. Uh, he had a really poor year. And I, I, don't, I know he was still sort of like 15% better than the league average with a stick, but that's not necessarily what they need from him. And... Um, and so I, I just wonder, you know, what they, what they, what they're going to do. I think they'll probably just tinker around the edges and and try again. Um, as for that decision, I think one of the hardest, uh, one of the things that people believe the least, uh, in terms of the analytics is this, uh, no matter how good your pitcher has been for the first three innings, um, nothing that it doesn't help predict how they're going to do in the fourth inning, you know, uh, you know, a pitcher, basically the way to say it is a pitcher's hot until he's not. And, uh, and, and so what does predict how the pitcher is going to do in the fourth inning is how good that pitcher has been all year. 
and how good that pitcher's been in certain situations. And so Berrios against lefties, second time through the order, gives up a lot more slugging. He was facing Max Kepler, who's been a good lefty. And, you know, by the numbers, it was a decision that, you know, not only did the manager sign off on, but was made in concert with the front office before the game. I'm sure of it. And I understand why they did that. At the other hand, you know, I was talking to players in the Giants clubhouse about this sort of thing where they said, we're all out here. We have eyes. We can see when someone's dealing. Berrios was throwing harder than usual. He was locating his spots well. Yeah. Um, There has to be some give and take in the playoffs, in my opinion. Like, you. There, the the spotlight is too big. This isn't a random game in May, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe Snyder did sign off before the game, but I still think you have to give, like you said, the guys who are there a little autonomy, don't you, to make these yeah. decisions? But I also remember a really iconic moment was the manager coming out to take Matt Harvey out of a World Series game and Matt Harvey arguing his way back onto the mound and and, and blowing the game. Yeah. So I mean, that's always a chance. But like, good luck taking Max Scherzer out in some of these situations, right? (laughs) Well, I mean, they they have before, but he hasn't been happy about it. Um, You know, it's a it's an ongoing debate. There's uh, there's always room for feel. I'm never going to argue against uh, against feel. Um, I tend to think that analytics is a good way to win a lot of games during the regular season. And I'm not saying you should throw it out uh, completely in the postseason. Uh, but there's so like when we make, we're making predictions and we, we filed our predictions, it might surprise people, but I almost, uh, I, I don't look at that, that many numbers when I make my predictions for the postseason because when I've run the numbers for what works in the postseason, there's very little hitting works. Yes. You know, hitting is actually better than pitching in defense. That surprises people. Uh, but it's a tiny little bit. Everything that correlates well during for regular season wins does not correlate as well for postseason wins. It's a bit of a crapshoot. If it's going to be a crapshoot, then allow for more feel in the postseason than you would during the regular season, I think. Yeah, I mean, I wrote this in our predictions. Momentum is real in October. It is. Uh, there's a big difference when a team goes up three to nothing, right? Like, it's just... it. These games are all so important that it's just it's tough to replicate. You're right. And there's much, not that. Yeah. Um, How much air went out of the room, you know, in, in Milwaukee when they went up five to two or whatever. And, uh, right. you know, when Arizona went up five to two. How much air went out of the room when when the Rangers got to seven? You know what I mean? It's just exactly, you know, the 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 excitement goes down. The Even the players themselves start to doubt whether, you know, I mean, they're human beings. They're going to start to doubt whether they can win that game. Exactly. So we we kind of previewed Philly, Atlanta. Let's stay in the the NL and get to the DS, the Diamondbacks, um, the Dodgers. As we said, if they had reseeded, it might have been a little bit different. Uh, according to you, I think you're real down on Arizona here. I, I think there's a way Arizona beats the Dodgers. Um, I filed I, I a pick Arizona winning. <laughs> you did. Okay. So like, I don't think... So, again, you're right. It's hard to back up your arguments during the postseason. Um, I think that the Dodgers are more beatable than they have been in years past, similar to the Astros, who we'll get to on the AL side. Uh, this isn't the, re- the Dodgers, um, you know, juggernaut of years past. Their pitching can be a little susceptible. I think Arizona can pitch with them. Um, I think that's Arizona where has- that's where the light went off for me. I think Arizona yeah. can pitch with them. I agree with yes, you. Yes, because- you can use Zach Allen and Merrill Kelly twice, and I think that you then take their rotation, and you're like, I'm good here. 
The Dodgers are going to have to do some innovative things, I think, to cover these innings. Kershaw is throwing 89. I mean, it's it, it, this is a Kershaw that we already, during his prime, were saying wasn't a good postseason pitcher. I don't. I never really yeah. agreed with that. But at 89 miles an hour, Corbin Carroll can take in deep, you know, even lefty on yeah. lefty. So, um, you know, I, I think that this is a lesser Kershaw. I love Bobby Miller, but this is the first time he's been in the postseason. He's got to be a, a little bit tired in terms of the length of the season. And Ryan Pepio last year couldn't find the plate. So, you know, this year he's been better with the command, and I sort of believe the changes he's made. But if he can't find the plate, you're putting Lance Lynn out there, who, even though he improved with the Dodgers, still gave up two homers per nine with the Dodgers. Yeah. So in in that game, uh, as much as uh, you know, Brandon fought, uh, you know, may not be the 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 pitcher that prospect hounds thought maybe he'd be. Uh, ever since he moved on the mound, Brandon fought has been a league average pitcher uh, in the second half. So am I going to take a league average pitcher with multiple pitches who doesn't have the same command issues or homer issues as Lynn? I think I'm I'll probably take the D backs in that third game. So. I take Gallon over Kershaw. I take Kelly. Kelly Miller might be a toss up, but then I'll take the I'll take the uh, Fott over the the collection of uh, of um, of Lynn and, and Pepio. So yeah, uh, you know. Yeah. And then the D backs uh, bullpen has really benefited from slimming down. They yes. did not have a good bullpen all year, but if you're talking about just Seawald, correct. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, if you're talking about these just t- the Nationals, 2019 Washington Nationals play yeah. right? If you're going to shrink a staff, all of a sudden you like the Diamondbacks. And I think if I'm Arizona, I'm saying all we got to do is split out here in L.A., right? Yeah. All the pressure is on the Dodgers. All we got to do out here is win one of these win games one. and get it back home, and then we feel okay, right? So, And listen, I don't want to take anything away from this Dodgers team. They still have two guys who are probably going to finish in the top three, the National League MVP, Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. If I'm Arizona, I'm looking at those two guys and I'm like, we have to keep these guys in the park. We have to keep these guys from absolutely crushing us, right? You take your chances That's with the rest the of the lineup. the lineup. Those are yeah. the two guys you have to find a way to neutralize to some extent. Make I mean, them some, mere mortals. You could walk them some. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. I mean, if you, if you, you walk. If you walk Muncie and Betts, um, you know, then it's it's all on JD Martinez's shoulders to some extent. You know, it's not it's not a lineup that it's not the same lineup as the as the Rangers where you're like, mm-hmm. where do I take a break? There are breaks in that lineup, you know. Yes. And uh, and there are and there are cracks in the in the pitching. So um, I don't know. Maybe it's a it's a bit of a reach. Uh, Arizona was not one of the best teams in the regular season, and the Dodgers were. But this is not the same Dodgers team that started out in no. May, you know. Like, where, where is Julio Urias and where is, uh, you know, Dustin May, who's super nasty? And there was always the promise that Walker Buehler was going to come back. So yes. that's really yes. three big arms that I think that they were circling for October that are not there. Yeah, and I think again, if you're the Diamondbacks, you're playing with nothing to lose. No one expects you to win. No one expects you to win the last round. You're just rolling right now. You're rolling. Mm-hmm. And, and Corbin so, Carroll's yeah. coming out party. I mean, this guy's. Yeah. I, I'm glad that everyone's getting to see how awesome he is. Uh, you know, I did a long interview with him about him as a leader. He's a he's a he's an interesting leader because he's not loud. And I think a lot yeah. of people think that to be a leader, you need to you know give speeches and be loud. But uh, he puts it all in line, and he does a lot of things that people don't know about in terms of like 
taking the other young guys out for dinner and fostering relationship with other players. He offers hitting advice in the complex. Uh, you know, he's just really personable. He knows he knows the names of your kids after he meets you one time. You know, he's that kind of guy who he's a future coach type of guy where he just he, he's listening to you. He's present with you and he cares about you. And that's that's an interesting thing because it's going to get them the most out of his out of his teammates. I think I, unfortunate about Gabriel Moreno. Yeah. We're going to hear some news about him. He got hit in the head and a uh, bit of a concussion protocol situation there. But with catchers and I don't I didn't know this until they said this on the cast. Catchers can get back in before other positions. So oh, I didn't know that. This is some weird thing where, like, even though Moreno might be in the concussion protocol, he doesn't have to do the full seven days if he clears it because as a catcher, he can get back in, which is to me Because he wears weird. the mask, maybe because he has head protection oh, already built in. Yeah, that would be my thought. Uh, but it's so interesting about Corbin Carroll, who is going to be a slam dunk, NL Rookie of the Year, AL Rookie of the Year, also a slam dunk, Gunnar Henderson with the Baltimore Orioles. They're playing Texas, who, so as we talked about, is no joke at all. I mean, this is a Texas team that uh, has paid a lot of money to turn things around and credit to them and that they have done that, right? And so I think when you look at this series, you know, we talked about the Rangers lineup, but the Orioles lineup's nothing to sniff at either. I mean, they are a group of young guys who are, you know, really still kind of at the beginning of a lot of their careers. So it's almost hard to predict what they're going to do. I said to someone, they can get swept out of this series or they can win the World Series. And neither of those things would shock me, right? Because I think when you're dealing with these young teams, you have no clue how they're going to react to a playoff atmosphere. Are they going to lose one game, get scared and fold? Or are they going to go out, beat the Rangers Saturday and say, no one's beaten us and just steamroll themselves through the World Series parade, right? They're a tough team to figure out. Now, I do think everyone was concerned about their starting pitching, and they have kind of alleviated that because what they're going to do is they have a legitimate number one guy in, in Kyle Bradish. Grayson Rodriguez has been excellent. John Means has been good. So they actually, in a five-game series, have enough, and they're going to take some of these starters and put them in the bullpen. Jack Flaherty is going to be in the bullpen. Tyler Wells closed the game that they clinched uh, the American League East. And so what they're going to do is, is kind of help their bullpen a little that way. And their bullpen yeah. is unquestionably better than the Rangers. Cause as I mentioned, the Rangers bullpen four seven seven regular season ERA, one of the worst in baseball, all 33 blown saves, even without Felix Bautista, who was the Orioles closer, who is getting Tommy John surgery or already got it. I think they tried to bring him along they do win the battle of the bullpens. But is it going to come down to the bullpens or is it going to come down to and, the offense, right? And I it's and just, I actually think that the the bullpen thing is is tighter than than some of those results numbers suggest. And it we we talked about it a little bit with Arizona and the slimming down. Um the Rangers have slimmed this down now to just Chapman, LeClerc, Sabors, uh and Haney, really. Yeah. That's that's their bullpen. And and if you think about it, uh, Haney's best pitch is his fastball, and if he gets a little bit of a, a, a boost velo-wise in the bullpen, that's uh, a, 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 like not a situational lefty, but a lefty uh, that may even have a little bit of length for you. Sabors is a is a is a big uh, big velo righty. Leclerc is big velo with uh, with closing experience, and he closed out some of their big wins and uh, in the uh, wild card. And uh, and Chapman still has his stuff. Just the, yeah, yes, I know the command isn't there. 
Um, but uh, that foursome is a lot better, I think, than the than the overall bullpen numbers suggest for the Rangers. And so um, I think that it's a little bit tighter. Once you take Bautista out, I was looking at who actually would pitch for Baltimore uh, in, in their bullpen, and it's Cano, Kalum, Kalum, um, Flaherty, and uh, maybe Fujinami or no, they can't trust him at all. His command has been horrible. His they're so gonna, bad, yeah. yeah, I don't. He may not make the playoff roster, and it wouldn't surprise me. I think they're gonna Wells. I think that what they're going Wells. to do. See, but is, see, these they're, are, these they're are... not gonna trim down to four. They're gonna play matchups. Yeah, they're gonna play. Okay. How do I get my outs here? How do I get my outs here? Flaherty, Flaherty, um, and Wells in the bullpen. Yeah, so they are. But you see, like the names that I'm giving you, like it's a little bit closer than some of the results suggest. I think, and then hitting wise, I also think the Rangers' offense is so good. It is so so good. So good. So you wonder if I'm Texas, I'm thinking I'm not thinking we got to split. I'm thinking I want to win game one. This is a young team, an inexperienced team. I want to tell them we're here. I will. Yeah, yeah. I want to win game one and see how they react. Right. Um. I think that. If, if you're Texas, that's what you got to look at. But who starts um, game one? Is it probably Dunning? Bradish for the no, Orioles? For the Rangers. Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't think they've announced any probables either. Maybe. I mean, I think it's too maybe. soon for well, can Ivaldi. you bring? You can't bring. Can you bring Montgomery? Yeah, maybe Montgomery. Maybe you can start again with Montgomery, Evaldi, and then Dunning. Um, yeah, because Montgomery was game one. So that was Tuesday. Yeah, Wednesday, Thursday, no. Friday. Saturday. No, you got to go him Sunday. So I think you want to go Dunning, know. Montgomery. Yeah. Dunning, Montgomery, Evaldi. Evaldi. Uh, yep, Dunning's been good, awesome. but he never really had good strikeout minus walk totals. His stuff does not suggest that he was as, as dominant. Like He was dominant in the first half, but he, he throws like 91, and uh, he's more of a mix and match guy. So he can do it uh, on any given night, and he actually might give a young lineup fits because he throws four pitches, right? So if he's just going to like, you know, throw the slider when they expect fastball and, and so on and so forth, then maybe uh, he can, he can give this lineup fits, but uh, it's not the best uh, pitching matchup for them uh, on the starting no. side. Like, yeah, I don't know if people their way know, out of this one. Yeah. I don't know if people understood like Bradish and Grayson Montgomery in the second half, both had ERAs under three. So they were, yeah. they were really excellent. And Bradish is going to be on a bunch of Cy Young um, ballots. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think that the pitching matchup favors them. But the, the hitting matchup, I think I'm taking the Rangers pretty comfortably. Their worst hitters, Leody Tavares, Jonah Heim, you know, Robbie Grossman. These are all yeah. like these are Middle all of the like order bats on a bad team. Yeah. Well, I mean, Grossman, maybe not. But like. Yeah, I mean, Grossman is a guy who walks all the time and takes really professional at-bats. He could be a number two for a lot of other teams. So, yeah. um, you know, definitely this is a lineup where it's really hard to take a break, and that's going to put a lot of pressure yeah. on those pitchers. So I expect this to be kind of like five to three games and six to four. I, I don't expect any sort of one nothing games. So of course, now we'll see some one nothing, but whatever. Yeah, now we're going to see. Exactly. Who are you taking? I think this goes five. I think this one may go five. I think these are pretty evenly matched. Here's the dumbest thing in the world. I picked all upsets. So you have the Rangers. I picked the Rangers, yeah. Interesting. Who aren't that much of an underdog? I have the Orioles here. I think... I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be, I think, as I said, a five game series. I think it's gonna be a fascinating series. Um, I'm curious to see how Brandon Hyde manages versus Bruce Bochy, who has won the World Series three times. I think that counts for something this time of year too. 
Um, the Orioles kind of give me the Phillies vibe in terms of like, you know, vibes, <laughs> like in terms of like the last whole... year, Philly vibes or this year? Uh, no, just in terms of uh, the, the fandom, like getting the fans on board yeah. with the I think they've done a really good job of including the water stuff is really great. I don't know if they want to do as much in October uh, with the water <laughs> and like soak their fans when the, the weather's a little different. But um, uh, it's still 80 it's, degrees here. Yeah. OK, good. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, a little warming. Um, so uh, I, I do think that they've uh, done a good job of um rallying and having good vibes around the team like that's that's something that and it, maybe it comes more naturally to young players because they're all kind of the same age they came up together you know uh yeah. they're, they're thinking about the same things i agree with you i think there is a little you know a little good juju going on right now they're not a team who feels like anybody can beat them i think game one like i said is going to be really important if they get punched in the mouth how do they respond right mm. um Especially if they but, get punched in the mouth of Dane Dunning because then then they have to be like, yes. oh, crap, their better pitchers go tomorrow. Yeah, so it's going gonna, it's gonna to be really interesting. Guys tend to think looking sharp means starchy Oxfords and stiff chinos rather than effortless comfort, but it's possible to have it both ways. I'm all set for summer thanks to Mack Weldon. The Vesper polo shirt is so breathable you can wear it on the golf course, but it looks classy enough to wear to a party. The Maverick Tech Chino short is ultra-flexible, and the Pima Crew Neck T-shirt is perfect for those casual weekends. There's no need to be uncomfortable in your clothing ever again. Some guys just want to look good without calling attention to themselves. Mack Weldon Apparel gives you understated good looks for understated confidence. Mack Weldon clothes are designed to fit your style and the demands of modern life. They look like regular clothes but feel like the latest in modern comfort. They're the go-to choice for guys who want to look great without even trying. Breathable underwear that keeps you cool, dry, and comfy all day. Crazy comfortable but elevated sweatpants. An upgraded classic polo with antimicrobial silver threads. An ultra-soft antimicrobial tee for when you need to stay fresh longer. That's the Silver Crew Neck T-shirt. Get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code MLBSHOW. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. Promo code MLB show. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The final matchup, though, we have, of course, the Twins earned the right to advance to play the Astros. Similar to the Dodgers, you know, 
This isn't the Houston Astros of the last few years. They are a beatable team, uh, more so than they have been in previous October. So I actually pick the Twins here um, in our in our you know picks that we had to make for the Athletic. I think the Twins pitching has been really good. I think they're a lineup that, as you mentioned, can do a lot of things well. They can hit the ball out of the ballpark, um, and I think it's time for Houston to have a a early exit. You know, I mean, this is a group that uh, struggled at certain points during the season, looked like they may be on the outside uh, of the playoff picture, had some key injuries, um, and then was able to win the West. And certainly, if experience matters, you have to favor Houston in all of this. But I don't think that matters as much as people think uh, in between the lines, if you have been there or you haven't been there. Um, And I think momentum is a big thing. The Twins have finally won a playoff game. They finally got that off their back. Now they've won a playoff series. They are literally playing with house money, much like Arizona. I expect them to be a looser team. I expect them to be a team that thinks, hey, we can beat anybody here. You know, we just went into Milwaukee and won. Yeah, Houston's probably going to be a tougher place crowd-wise. But I really like the way this Twins team is set up. I like the way Rocco Baldelli operates. I think Minnesota is going to win this series. This also may go four or five in my mind. Yeah. And, you know, Minnesota uh, spent a lot of the year trying to uh, keep guys healthy, get the right lineup in place. There's been some real toggling in that lineup. So if you look at full season numbers for, you know, the lineups, you might think that Houston is way better than Minnesota offensively. Minnesota was like 10th and, and Houston was like third for the full season. That flips a little bit, and Minnesota was the better offensive team in September. And the reason why that matters is it's not just that they were hot in September; it's that when they were hit, when they were playing in September, they were playing like Edward Julian, their their young uh, second baseman, got the most plate appearances in in September uh, in the entire team, and and was excellent. Uh, was thirty eight percent better than league average with a stick that he wasn't there earlier, you know? So it's kind of unfair to compare for the full season. Um, Another guy that was very different uh, in the second half was Max Kepler. Uh, He was 37% better than league average uh, with a stick in uh, in September, and he had the second most. Uh, They also found Matt Wallner, a young guy. And then Royce Lewis has been uh, on again, off again in terms of health and and caused Correa. So now they're healthy uh, with Correa and Lewis. Uh, Buxton uh, is is trying to get healthy. And so, you know, those are three key offensive parts. And now you're adding Julian and you're adding Kirilov and you're adding these young guys and Lewis. You're adding these young guys to a healthy veteran core. So, you know, I think when people talk about getting lucky in the postseason or getting right or getting on uh, momentum, one of the things I hear when I hear momentum is health. Yeah, It's health, yeah. you know? And so... Uh, in terms of lineup health and in terms of rotation health, like the twins are at their best right now. They've got they've got everybody ready to go. They're all playing well. Uh, you know they've got Sonny Gray and and Pablo Lopez and Duran and Jackson the bullpen. They they've got the weapons to to beat this Astros team. So you're also going twins. I did. I went with four upsets. Look at you go. I love it. I mean, listen, it's it's so hard this time of year to make any kind of picks. Um, I'm sure some of these would be right. Some of these will make us look foolish immediately. But, you know, we will see. I decided to have fun with it. Once I picked a couple, I think the the one I feel the least good about is the Arizona pick. 
uh, the Dodgers are just, uh, they'll find a way. I feel like almost like the, they've, uh, they can mix and match and their bullpen is actually fairly deep. So if they just get four from a starter, they might be okay. And if they do a bullpen game, they could almost win a bullpen game. Um, so, uh, that's the one I feel the least good about. The one I feel the strongest uh, about is actually Phillies over Braves. Um, just because, wow. you know, when I'm talking about momentum and health, like, you know, not having Morton, having Freed, uh, just coming back off this blister, yeah. uh, just makes me worried, uh, that, uh, their, their, that their starting rotation is not as healthy as it needs to be. Maybe those, yeah. maybe they'll just win games nine to nine to seven. Like that's a possibility too. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but here's the thing about the playoffs, though. I can make a case for all the teams I just picked against to win the series, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the thing about these short series. I mean, I've been talking all this time. time about the Rangers offense. Like, the Braves offense is the best of all time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. It'll be very interesting. But uh, one quick thing I do want to hit on before we leave. Uh, Jerry DePoto, Seattle uh, head of baseball operations, Made some big headlines this week. Seattle, for those of you who aren't aware, just misses making the playoffs, um, unfortunately, in the West. They were my pick to go to the World Series, so I will wear that. Um, I will wear that complete and utter miss. Um, said some really interesting things. Uh, basically, he said, quote, we're doing the fan base a favor by asking their patients to win a World Series while we continue to build a sustainably good roster. And then he said... We're always trying to win 54% of our games, which social media naturally had a field day with. I mean, mm. people have already printed 54% on shirts. I saw a jersey that said 54. It's a Mariner's nice. jersey. Um, but really, my issue with this, you know, is this, not that he spoke, it's that this is how they all think for the most part. I'd say 90% of baseball operations people feel this way for a myriad of reasons. One of those is selfish. It is a lot easier to keep your job if your team is consistently just winning. good enough, right? Like you're kind of there. You are what I like to call the Cleveland Guardians of MLB, right? Very safe structure up top. Those guys have been there forever. And they, you know, they're never really tanking, but they're never really going all in. But they're always like, maybe if this goes Cover right, this your goes right. Ass. Yes, then we'll get in. And so the bold moves are what gets people fired. The Dave Dombrowski's, right? Like he's the one who fired after won a World after, Series. After, yeah. <laughs> win a World Series, but oh, the farm system's trash, right? Like people who push all their chips in, those are how jobs get lost. Mm -hmm. So you look at the Mets, put all their chips in. Now they got David Stearns and they fired Buck Showalter. And, you know, the Padres had a press conference to say Bob Melvin, who's under contract, is returning. That's how crazy <laughs> stuff's going over there. So, um, you know, there. It, to me, it is so infuriating that this sport has become so safe and we have become so f obsessed with efficiency. Fans aren't rooting for efficiency. Fans mm -hmm. want you to go get the best players that you possibly can all the time. Fans right. don't, the only, the, what bothers me is the only sustained tank and we, we're good for a really long stretch has been the Houston Astros. Mm -hmm. Nobody else has been able to do that. So the Orioles look like they may here. They look like they're at the precipice of maybe a five, six year good run, but we don't know that yet for sure. So they declined to add to it. Right. So other, exactly because they, you know, it's like, so 
We want to be good, but not so good that we push too many chips in. And to me, this is an epidemic and it's, it's, it's ruining the enjoyment of the sport to some extent. Yeah. And I can, uh, as an analytics guy, I can understand the idea that um, if you plan for 88, uh, there's, there's good fortune and bad fortune around that. So you think about 88 as like, you know, 88 wins is where we're planning to be. And then there's always good luck. And in some years that'll be 98 or 96. Right. And in other years it'll be 79 or 80. Right. But uh, that sort of, we're wobbling around a good place because 88 is a good place to live. Right. And all the years that we're lucky, Maybe we can add a dead deadline and maybe we can win it all. That's that's uh, honestly, you can see it everywhere. Arizona, uh, Oakland was doing that for a long time. Just try to build a 82, 84 win team. And some days in some years it's 90. Right. Um, Arizona has been doing that. The Dodgers are just trying to be good every year, but they're a little bit. They have enough money to like where they can be. Hey, let's just 90. aim for 92 or 94 every year. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, um, but uh, it is pervasive in the sport because of this idea of sustainability and keeping the farm system, two timelines, keeping the farm system going while you got your veterans and, you know, always yeah. trying to be good. Um, one thing that I would like to suggest that is, though, that like, you know, Winning 88 wins every year is not that fun for the fan base. I think that's sort of what you're talking about. It's like, you know, yes. if you won 88 every year and were like a wild card some years and lost in the wild card round, you would totally trade that for winning 98 for like three years and winning two World Series. And for the World Nationals. The Nationals are a great example of this. I think Nationals fans are, are I, I, you know, they're mad about the state of the team, but are they like, I don't think they hate Rizzo because they no, like, because flags fly forever. They, so they do. Won in 19. Yeah. And, and, and think also about uh, who, like, what are, what are the things you remember across all sports? One of the things you remember across all sports are dynasties, you know, like yeah. Jordan's bulls, you know? And so why not push the needle for a three year window to maybe get into the world series twice? Or three times, you know, like, why not build an quote unquote all-star team for a short window and, and do that? Now, do I advocate going all in like the Padres did and and spending $1.2 billion, you know, on, on players? I don't know. That's that's pretty aggressive. There's somewhere in between the Padres and Mariners. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. literally somewhere in between. Like, the Mariners could have added one more big free agent. And if they'd added one more big free agent that gave them four or five wins, they'd be a 93-win team. And they'd yeah. be in the and, DS. You know? And Cal, and Cal um, who was it? Uh, Cal Rowley, the, the catcher, was saying Rowley, that. yes. Yeah. Rowley, who said that. And then they made him apologize later. And it's like he was dead on. They need You, you have to if you're going to compete with these guns. Look what Texas has done. You have to get one or two guys. I think you, like you mentioned, the Orioles kind of neglected to – at this offseason, I mean, at the trade deadline, really do much. They got Flaherty, who has been terrible. Um, this offseason, they better go get some guys, right? Because it's like if your window is now, you kind of want to push just a little out of the comfort zone. No one's saying trade two or three of your young guys and say we're going to win the World Series the next two years or bust. But I think, as you said, yeah, why not be more aggressive in it? free agency? It's not. It doesn't. Correct. It doesn't penalize you as much. I mean, yes, there are these luxury tax aprons and blah 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 blah. I mean, there's a lot of uh, of of functions from 
uh, baseball that's trying to tamp down spending, the draft, you know, uh, the luxury tax, that's all designed to tamp down spending. But when you do have room between you and the luxury tax and you're in your window, why not spend that? You know, like that's that's different than I'm not necessarily saying you need to trade Jackson Holiday for Juan Soto at the deadline. You know what I mean? Like there's there's nuance in all of this. And, you know, I think Evan Drellick wrote a great piece. You know, I did read through some of the comments and there was some pushback about people being like, oh, like, oh, so we should just all be the Padres. And I'm like, Padres and Mets. Yeah. Yeah. There's 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 a difference. There's a room. There's room between the Orioles and Mariners and the Padres and Mets. There's somewhere in between. We don't have to. Everything doesn't have to be black and white. It doesn't have to be 88 or 98. You know, like you could try to build a 95 win team. That would be pretty amazing. And that would get into the World Series more often than the the 88 win team. I'm sure. Yes. Exactly. And I also think some of these teams, especially like in the central, like Cleveland, you could argue was a rain delay away from winning the World Series the year the Cubs won it. Right. You could. Um, But because they didn't win, it doesn't really buy you too much. Maybe maybe a year or two where people are like, oh, that team was good. Almost won. Oh, they're in a bad division. Why not go all in? Right. This is why the White Sox shop was so appealing. And then they just did an internal promotion is like, that's a team that spends more usually than most of the rest of the division. Uh, And it's a bad division. Like that's a prime place where you're like, we should be winning. We should be winning every year. Right. That's an argument for it being like not the most terrible job, but there's a lot of institutional (laughs) stuff that needs to get turned around there. I think. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, it's, you know, again, it's, I think if you win a World Series, but the and White Sox have be... won a World Series more recently than a lot of these sustainable. A lot of these, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Mariners I know. have so, never been to the World Series. Correct. So it's like, what do you value, right? Do fans can't get upset because fans have been sold this lie of like efficiency and market type, and like, oh, our team can never be these big spenders. So it's really good that we can still get in sometimes, right? Like fans have been sold this this ridiculous line that like. Oh, we're a small market team. If we get Christian, in, just getting in is a big deal. Um, Christian Yelich said, you know, you know, what we've been able to do here as a small market team is is really remarkable. And it's like as a Brewers fan. Is it? Is it like are you super excited about it? And I'm a guy who oh. does value regular season wins. So I do think on some level the Brewers have been remarkable, but they could have been better. It didn't work out. Like there's a lot of stuff that didn't work out. It's not like they had one really deep run. They haven't been able to, you know, um, it'd be remarkable. If, like the Rays, remarkable. The Rays go to the World Series and lose. Um, you know, they've won playoff, like they've won playoff series. You know, that That's remarkable. As you mentioned, they've had some issues as of late. But I don't know. To me, it just feels like so many fan bases are like, well, you know, we just got to wait for our window. And then when their window's here, we're like, well, we got to make sure we keep everything together so that we have a long window. <laughs> And it's like, really, though? Because I'd rather win a World Series and my team be bad for two, three years. Um, you know, not a total teardown, but like, you know, just be bad for a couple of years. Because then I had the experience of the team I rooted for going to the World Series and my team every year being a fringy wildcard team. Wouldn't and we can you? slag the Padres all we want, but there have been a lot more people going to games, you know, recently. It's a it's huge deal. Like, There's over three million. Yeah, it's huge. They're they're very into that that whole thing and that's the closest thing we had to like somebody being yolo and going all in yeah i mean but the phillies there's some good examples in the playoffs the phillies are john middleton is very much i think he was quoted as saying like 
Do people care if, if I win or lose money? Like people don't care if I'm losing or making money. People want to win. I think yeah. more of that mindset would be helpful. Um, so good for Seattle and for the fan base for not taking those comments well. Right. Like uh, on the flip side, like DePoto, like you can't throw out all the good he's done. They, they've been a, you know, 88 to 91 team the last three years. He's kind of, you know, he's doing what he's, he's promised quote unquote, like he's turned around a, a team. It's better player developments, better, you know, sure. he's done some good, but uh, this is on ownership a, though, saying he, like, Hey, like we will give you more money to, to spend. Well, he said the quiet part out loud. The yeah, and the whole like doing the fans a favor, he he made a look when he said that and he knew it was a bad thing to say and just like don't get into that. Like I think he wanted to explain like oh this is why you know what we did was good, but I would say just say the bland stuff. Just say the bland stuff. We're uh, we're getting there. We we're get, working towards there. But then we're we getting better. We're getting better so every bland? year. Yeah, I don't know. The issue there is that at the beginning of the season the Marlins president of business ops said in an event, and it was on TV, we asked you to be patient. We're not asking you to be patient anymore. Mariners. And won. then somebody spliced that. Um, and then Mariners you have DePoto. The Mariners. No, it was the Mariners one. The Mariners Yeah, one. Mariners. Yeah. Sorry. I don't, uh, Mariners. And then you have then you have DePoto saying, well, we still need you to be patient. It's like you're sending mm-hmm. mixed messages. Fans can't be patient every year. Like ownership needs to say, you know what? We do need to spend $10, $20 million more next you year. You have Julio payroll. Rodriguez, George Kirby, Logan Gilbert. You know, like you Let's have go. a core. Push the like, chips. Yeah. Yes. Push the chips. Get everyone excited. As you know, making trade deadline acquisitions sometimes isn't just about the guys you get. It's about the message you're sending to that clubhouse. And again, hey, for like it. the second we're straight year, they traded away a big bullpen piece that, of somebody that people liked, you know. Yeah. It sends no message. The Marlins... Um, you know, had they not made those moves, they're not in the playoffs. Had they not and added they, to and their they didn't lineup. cost them a lot. You know, Josh oh. Bell cost them a guy they were going to cut anyway. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's you know, it wasn't a huge you didn't have to make this huge earth shattering thing, but also it lets the clubhouse know we believe in you. Let's go. Right. Um, so just I don't know, unfortunate. Seattle, you deserve better. Mariners fans, you deserve better. Be patient. Keep being patient. Yeah, right. It's not good. <laughs> no, it's we're not, not good. saying that. But yell. Anyway. Yell as much as you'd like. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yes. Uh, maybe next week we'll talk about, you know, people who are eliminated, who they should be bandwagoning, because there should be some good teams to bandwagon this time next week. We probably will know who is onto the LCS, right? We may know. We should know. And how all the favorites are going to advance after I picked all the... All the dogs. So you could take all your money now to Vegas and bet against, you know, let me know how that goes. Um, we have to go. It was great chatting with you, you know, as always. Derek Van Riper will be back, I think, next week from Paternity Leave, so, right? Yeah. He will be back. So you will have a streamlined show. You just won't have Eno and I babbling with no rundown, no plans. No in place rundown today. At all. <laughs> at all. Ever. We haven't made a rundown since Derek left. Um, so our captain of the ship will be back next week to get us through the rest of October. In the meantime, subscribe to The Athletic. Follow us on Twitter at Britt underscore Giroli. He's at Eno Saris. Uh, give us a comment, but only if it's a nice one. I read those. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and have a great rest of your day and a great weekend watching some postseason baseball. Thanks for listening to The 3-0 Show. You've got always got the green light here. Green light 3-0 and she's gone!